Well, good morning. We are continuing our series on help, entitled this morning, Help, My Marriage is Wore Out. I want to tell you guys, I have the best, absolutely the best job in the world as your student pastor, and I really, I enjoy, just cannot begin to tell you how wonderful it is to be on staff with this great team that God has positioned here. And Pastor, I want to preach, I want to thank you, appreciate the opportunity to share this morning. Pastor Danny, um, from just everyone, it's, it's, it's a unified staff, and it's not a normal thing to see God doing what He is doing, and so I love, love, love the opportunity. So I get to, get to speak to you on marriage this morning, and um, not all of you are married, I know this, um, and as you see, marriage is a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. It's an all-in effort by both husband and wife. Some say marriage is 50-50. I would propose to you this morning that it is 100%, 100%. It's an all-in effort. Um, you may not be married this morning. You might be here. You may not want to be married this morning. You may have come from a broken marriage. You may be in a marriage this morning that's struggling. My goal, and I want to encourage you this morning and see you encouraged and leave here. Others that are married, um, I want to encourage husbands. And so primarily this morning, we're going to take our time in dealing with the role of a husband. We're going to hear from five couples in a moment. I'm going to interview five couples and ask a tough question or two regarding their marriage. And then we're going to just do a brief flyover of God's design for marriage. Louis Zepparini, you're probably familiar with him, in 1936 ran in Berlin um, for, for America. And his plans went erupted as World War II broke out and many, many gold medals. He had, he had this idea he was going to win and he was predicted to win a bunch of gold. 1943, he, he was a bombardier, shot down, his plane went down over the Pacific Ocean captured, put in a POW camp, and it was there that the nightmares began. He was beaten, tortured, humiliated, terribly lonely for two years, interrogated, starvation, all of those things. And finally released, he was asked, Louis, if you knew you had to go through that again, would you? And he said, absolutely not. I would rather die then go through all of that torture. During 1998, he was invited to come back to that very prison that longed to be his tomb. And he was invited to come, and, and the whole town was brought in in, in this Q&A, and, and, and the mayor was leading this thing and, and asking Louis all these questions. And finally, after hours of questions, the mayor had the last question. He said, Louis, if you um, could tell me one thing that you learned or that you experienced in your two years of imprisonment here, is there anything, anything at all that was positive or resulted in good from you being a prisoner in this camp for two years? And Louis answered fast. He said, absolutely. Being a prisoner of war here for two years? prepared me for 50 years of marriage. Yes, marriage takes a lot of work. 
about 51% of marriages um, in America, about 51% of people in America are married. And this is down from 72% in 1960. AFA Journal released some recent stats that 27% decrease in divorces among church attenders. Very interesting. Church attenders, those that have been in church within the past seven days, are 27% less likely to be divorced. As a teenager, um, I went through, I saw my parents go through divorce, and it's a, it's a terrible thing. No one wins in those situations. You know, we're not here today to dig up the past, but what I want us to do is I want us to fly through. We're going to move fast, but I want, I want you guys to try to put the past behind you, and let's look at God's design. His Word is quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and I'm just praying this morning that God would speak to you and encourage you. I could not share this sermon this morning without my bride. Um, of 19 years, 22 years this week ago, I spotted her across the mall. Where do you find a virtuous woman? In the mall, right? Proverbs 31. <laughs> 22 years. We've been married 19 years, four months, and nine days. 7,071 days. I did the math. That is 106,700 hours married to me. And so Cherie says it's been at least a couple of dozen of the best hours of her life. So thank you for being my awesome wife. Thank you. And um, just no reason, and I might say something I shouldn't say in just a moment. So those are a little preventive, little preventive maintenance there. So let's pray, and we're going to dive in. We're going to move fast this morning. Father, we lean into you, into your throne this morning. Open our hearts as we look at your design for marriage. Would you encourage those that want to quit that may be here this morning? Impart hope on that desolate heart. I'm asking for the power of your Spirit to rest on husbands here today. For the power of your Spirit to move as we look at biblical marriage. And we assess and and assign practical tips to maybe improve our marriages this morning. Your will be done, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created marriage. All right, so day one, number one in your notes, God created marriage. That's number one. Day one, God created the heaven and the earth. All right, He speaks light into into existence, separates the light from the darkness. And at the end of that day, end of day one, what does God say? God said that it was good, right? Day two, God creates the sky. At the end of day two, God said it is good, right? Y'all work with me. Good. All right, number three, or day three, God creates dry land and all the plant life. At the end of day three, God says it is good. Day four, God creates all the stars and heavenly bodies. End of day four, God says it is good, right? Day five, God creates all the life in the water, the birds. Flying insects, this is the day he made mosquitoes. I think that was a mistake. But nevertheless, at the end of day five, God said it is good. Day six came along. God creates creatures on the dry land. This includes creatures not living in any of the previous days. And he creates man. In Genesis 128, 
126, God takes counsel with himself, and he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Then, in Genesis 2.18, God announces something is not good. Look at this. It's on the screen. Then the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper who is just right for him. Adam was, was lonely. Everything else in creation was very good except this loneliness. And God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And this points for the, to the basis for marriage, for companionship, to carry on a race, to reproduce, and thirdly, to help one another, to bring out the best in each other. This, this word, I will make, in Hebrew, in verse 18, refers to God manufacturing marriage. He says, I'm going to make this. The word helper, ezer, I can't really pronounce Hebrew at all, but it refers to one that meets the need of another. It's, it's the furtherance of an effort. It's union there, furthering this effort. So God made Eve specifically for Adam. Adam looks at her when she walks up, and he says, Ooh, man, he was impressed, and that's woman right there. You guys, yeah, that's funny right there. You should laugh there. Hilarious. <laughs> At least it was in my mind. So she was just right. She was suitable, alike in appearance, but opposite of man. Psychologists say, and they talk about this polar opposite between man and woman. It's very cool. A woman's brain is like a ball of spaghetti. They say that it's all connected, it's interwoven, and it's firing. Even when she is asleep, that brain is active. Guys, when we're asleep, no, there's nothing going on up there. It's, it's nothing. Guys' brains, we're like a chest of drawers. When we have one, we can only open one drawer at a time, and when that drawer is open, that's where we're at. We're right there. Shut that drawer. And ladies, it is true that we have a drawer where there's nothing in there. Not a thing. So when you ask us, what are you thinking? And we say, nothing. It's because that drawer is open. If you want to talk to us, we have to shut that drawer to be able to engage you. Men and women are different. We're different. We're to complement each other. Guys' eyes are more sensitive to detail. Guys' eyes can spot movement in distances greater than a female's eyes. Pretty cool, huh? For hunting, for all this stuff, right? A female, yes. Her eyes, the peripheral is greater, more sensitive to color changes and all that design stuff that ladies do so well that we stink at, all right? But that's the reason, it dawned on me, that's the reason Cherie can walk into the pantry and walk right up after I have looked for 25 minutes for the salt shaker, she can walk right in and grab it. I have pulled everything out of the pantry, thrown it in the floor, alphabetized it, put it all back, 25 minutes, it's not there, baby, it's not, and she walks right up and she grabs it. What she has, I don't necessarily, I, that's not what I'm great at, and God created this relationship to complement each other. So God created marriage, number two, marriage is between one woman and one man, Mark 10, 6 through 8, but God made them male and female. From the beginning of creation, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. 
There is a gargantuan chasm between biblical marriage and the humanistic view of marriage. Marriage is urgent. Um, Some cultures respect God's design for marriage, while others have this take-it-or-leave-it mentality. Just as a passenger of a cruise boat cannot bore a hole in the bottom of his cabin and it not affect the entire boat and trouble every passenger on board, so marriage affects us all. And when I don't do my part, it affects the entire um, ship. We're in this cultural ship together. I damage my part. It affects us all. I think the profound decision for us this morning that I have to answer in my marriage is, am I going to obey God's design or am I going to adopt man's design? Am I going to obey God or create my own opinion? God or what I want to do or what I think is cool or what I think is okay? Many are doing that today. In 2015, a Russian man decided he was going to marry his favorite pizza. Sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? Well, the Korean dude outdid him. He married his pillow. He loved the pillow, favorite pillow, he married his pillow. A Sudanese man married his favorite goat in 2006. People are same-sex marriages today. Someone married their dog, others married a video game. Um, Someone recently married their, their dead friend. That's weird, that's crazy. All of these against God's design. God created it. It's impossible for man to recreate or create or redefine what God already did. Additionally, it's not our job as Christians or as the church to gossip, ostracize, or criticize non-biblical marriage. We're to love. We're to love people. We're to love them and we're to lead them and give as Christ did in John 3.16. He loved the world so much that He gave. All right? Romans 2.4, I want to read this verse to us and we're going to move on. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? If we begin to defriend the world, because of sin, we have to turn to the right and to the left, and quickly we clear the room. And so let's love, let's love, and lead to the feet of Jesus. Marriage is God's design. He created it. It's between one man and one woman, and I love this. It is covenantal. It is not a contract. It's a covenant. This word covenant is to be joined, not separated. We see in Mark 10, 8, and 9, the verses on the screen, And the two are united into one, since they are no longer one, since they are no longer two, sorry, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. This word join is everything opposite to separate. It's connected. Um, Everything opposed to division. You know, in a contract, there's a prenup, a way out. In a contract, um, I take you to please me, and when you don't please me anymore, I go find something else to please me. Whereas in a covenant, I give me to you. Love gives. A covenant gives, whereas a contract takes, right? Covenant marriage says, I give myself to you. God says, 
Don't separate what I have joined together. Number four, marriage is God's design. Sin complicated this great thing. Romans 5.12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Remember, when Satan entered the garden, his target was to debunk the first covenant relationship that God had put into place. You know, they had one potential, Adam and Eve, one potential, come on, one potential um, transgression. That's to not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they messed it up. They ran straight to that thing. The first marriage fell. The first child murdered the second child. The first marriage had problems. The first marriage needed help. I would propose that every single marriage in this room this morning needs help. Some form of help. We all are in need. And um, sin, because sin messed, messed up a good thing. And so we have to deal with that rightly. Marriage is God's design. Number five, and we're going to move on. Marriage is not permanent. Say, what is, what is he about to say now? Marriage is not permanent. I know. Matthew twenty-two thirty, Jesus spoke, said, for when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Our marriages end once our life ends on this earth and we step into eternity. And so we have to make it last and make it work and, um, and enjoy marriage while we are here. And so let's move into the role of the husband in our time left this morning. And we're going to have some couples come up in just a moment and talk to them. The role of a husband, I want us to spend primarily, spend our time on this. Um, number one, husbands, we need to honor our wives. Honor our wives. 1 Peter 3, 7, we should memorize and write it on everything that we see. It says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Check this out. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. Uh-oh, there's something in it for me. If I'm going to, I need to I'll learn to honor my wife so God hears my prayers. All right? Um, this word honor is to price, to price her precious, to value her, to esteem her greater than yourself. That's what honor does. This word weaker vessel is a, a Greek word for a glass jar. It's a fragile thing. It, it, it's, it's cool. It's priceless. All right? And, and it it's, sort of holds a physical weakness, all right? I was engaged at 18, um, married at 20. Yes, that is young. I was ready, guys. I'm serious, ready. I was ready to show Cherie a thing or two about marriage. I wanted to show her what a real husband looked like, right? I was ready. I was ready to grab this marriage thing by the horns and go with it. We took a covenant marriage class got more ready, all right? We joined Marriage Without Regrets, class on marriage. Surely, I was ready now. We went to premarital counseling, ready, got married. 
Fast forward two weeks, I was ready. I was ready to quit. I mean, it's crazy. Um, the marriage counseling did not teach me the, the hard things like how to communicate with a woman. Like, I could not figure this out. They didn't tell me what, it, what she means when she says, honey, do you want to vacuum the living room? <laughs> no, of course not. I'm watching the game. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Another one that I was not prepared for is, do you like this outfit? Man, first thing that popped into my mind was, it looks like something I saw covering grandma's windows. It looks like drapes, and I should not have said that. It was not dealing with her rightly. Do you want to stop and get a Coke? Wasn't prepared for a question like that. No, I don't want to stop and get a Coke. I'm trying to set a record time and take this trip quicker than we ever have before. It meant, I, I want a Coke. And I had to learn stuff like that. Marriage counseling did not teach me that in marriage disagreements, someone is always right, and someone is always the husband. All right? So, I have learned this, and um, I want to say this, my marriage and our marriage, and you can ask Cherie on this later, but our marriage is better than it has ever been. This year is the great, so far, the greatest year that we have ever celebrated together. It's beautiful. Marriage is a work. Yes, it is. You can clap for her. She has put up with me for a long time. I've learned that not honoring my wife causes my prayers to be hindered, and that's a scary thing. Failure to do so brings this egg-copto, hindered prayers. It's a barricade, prevents your prayers from coming to place. God's going to stiff-arm us when we don't honor our wife. It's a big deal. Gentlemen, husbands, do you want your prayers to be answered? Honor our wives. Hebrews 13, 4 says, give honor to marriage. Remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Honor your wife. What do you do to honor your wife? What do you do for her? What do you not do that you would do to honor her? We need to honor our wives. Number two, submit to your wife. Ooh, gets quiet. Submit to your wife. Yes, we know Ephesians 5.22, but Ephesians 5.21 says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What do you mean submit to my wife? Well, wives are to submit to their husbands. This word submit is hepatasso. It's a mutual command to both, all right? Don't, don't misunderstand. We have different roles. The husband as the leader and, and, and different roles in this relationship. But this submission is to attach to the wishes of another, all right? It means to submit. When I submit to my wife, I accept my responsibility to honor her. I expect and, and accept my responsibility to pray with her. I accept my responsibility as a leader to provide, to be primarily responsible for our relationship. Submitting is not agreeing on everything, no. Submitting is not the surrendering of the wife's right to think. Submission does not mean that you neglect as husbands, that we neglect our opportunity to be influenced by our, by our wives. Cherie influences me more than any other person in the world. 
Submission is not putting the will of your spouse before the will of God either. And it's definitely not being a doormat. We mentioned before when our first father sinned, Adam, who sinned first? Eve, right? Right? This way means yes. Eve, do we need to go there? Eve sinned first, right? Who did God call out? In Genesis 3, God steps on the scene and he calls Adam out. Eve is the one who partook first and he comes to Adam. Now Eve, yes, she gives an account for her sin, but God held Adam primarily responsible because he's the leader of the family. What does it mean to be the leader of a family? Um, What does it mean to be the leader of a military unit in charge? You know, you, you have to take charge, whether it's success or whether it fails, whether it's tough or easy. Um, sports team, struggles, falls. Ultimately, it's going to be the coach that takes responsibility for that. Husbands, honor your wives, submit to your wife as take on, taking on your role. And, and um, finally... Number three, love her sacrificially. Listen fast. Ephesians 5.25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. Love gives. Love doesn't take. In Scripture, you will never find God commanding, directly commanding the wife to love her husband. Because when I do my part and I love her, she, has, she can't stand a chance. I mean, she's going to love me. When I lay down my life, as he's saying here, I, I'm laying my life down, as Jesus did, Colossians 3.19. Love your wives, never treat them harshly. Jesus modeled this. In Ephesians 2 and verse 5 through 11, he humbled himself. He took on the form of a slave. And, and, and God's word is saying that I'm to love her that way. I'm to give myself to her. So much more I'd love to say about that, but we have to move on. Sexual sin is probably the biggest thing that I see getting in the way, and it kills agape love. Um, Ronnie McDowell wrote a song about it in 81, says, I have wandering eyes. These wandering eyes take our hearts, gentlemen, to places that they don't need to go, and it's the demise of many a great marriage. I went to my mentor many, many years ago in my first year or two of marriage, and I told him, I said, hey, I, I want to beat this thing. Like, I, I really understand and know that when a woman walks by, I, don't, I need to look at her right, and I feel like I struggle with this, and I was just open to him. And he gave me some of the most horrible advice one could ever be called a mentor and give a man, a young man. He said, get over it, son. There's nothing wrong with looking and window shopping. He said, you can look all you want as long as you don't order. I look at the menu, and he's sitting across the table from me. And I knew something about that wasn't right. No, God's calling us to, 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 to more than that. As men, we are to refrain from that. We're to put up stops to protect our marriages, not let our hearts steal us or steer us to places that we don't need to go. The role of a husband is to honor our wives, to submit to our roles, to love her sacrificially, and finally to pray for her. I want to invite our um, married couples up that are going to be sharing this morning as I talk to you about this prayer thing. 
You know, God said, Jesus said, um, our, the, God said our house should be called a house of prayer. And he, he's talking about the fact that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And God wants his house, our lives, to, to be about prayer, primarily about prayer. And I found myself married for 17 years. And if we prayed twice a month, it was a big deal. Like something major was going on. That's horrible. I, I failed miserably in my prayer life in leading my family. Keith Harmon, one of my good friends in 2013, in March, I remember when he shared with me, he said, Daniel, I want to challenge you to pray with your wife every day. He said, just go 30 days. And I'm going to give the same challenge to you this morning. 30 days, pray with your wife and I took the challenge. Blew my mind. Blew my mind. There were days when we weren't exactly getting along just well. The prayers were kind of quick, maybe. It's like, God bless her somehow, you know, and leave or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do this, but you fix her, God, you know. But even if it was just passing, but we made, we made a commitment to not separate every day without first praying. Some days it's, I just put my head against her and say, God bless Cherie. I love you, baby. And I leave. Other days we start praying. And just like when God called me to this church, we were praying together. And all of a sudden God said, it's time. And in our prayers, they're standing in the kitchen in Joplin, Missouri. God freed us and said, it's time to go. Praying with my wife. What a beautiful thing. I want to challenge gentlemen Let's take our responsibility to pray and let God show us what He wants to do, because it's really cool stuff. So, we have five couples up here, and um, I have some questions, and this is um, Greg and Heidi Bennett. You guys ready? Yeah. It's a tough one. How do you make decisions as a couple, Greg? Well, I, I think we were taught that God guides us together as a couple, and that's one way, a big way that he confirms uh, any direction that he's given us together. So we have a process for that, and I wrote it down so I remember. Uh, one of the steps we do is we pray, you know, about it, and we ask other people to pray with us and for us. We compare what we think we're both hearing God tell us. Uh, we filter that through what God's already told us in the Bible and through wise people. We uh, use our brains. I mean, he gave us brains and common sense, so he expects us to use that. Uh, we try not to worry and get it just perfect. We just try to take steps in the direction we think he's leading and then watch for him to close doors, open doors. We uh, trust him in that whole process. We check our peace, you know, like how are we feeling about that decision? Do we feel like God's giving us a peace about that? And then the most important is that we act on it. When we feel like we've heard him and we know what he's telling us, then do it. Awesome, good stuff. Ms. Heidi, you want to add something to that? Yeah, an example of that in our lives is um, like when Pastor Danny asks us to um, pray about and decide how much money we want to give to like Lottie Moon or the Building Vision or something like that. Um, oftentimes, Greg and I have gone home in the car and said, okay, you know, do you feel like a certain amount or something like that? Several times, the exact same amount has been in both of our hearts to give. And so that's good confirmation for us. Wow. So you're getting together and praying. That's super cool. John and Karen Andrews, all right, three children, and you guys have been married 29 years. That's beautiful. Um, tell us one thing that is the most trying, like one thing that you've been through that's been the most trying thing in your marriage, and how did you, how did you guys work through that? So, Daniel, um, uh, 
in this global economy and with the ease of travel, um, it's, it's so much easier for men to be on the road uh, away from their families. And uh, prior to coming to Austin, I spent well over a year traveling, being on a plane Monday morning before the break of dawn, getting home late Friday night. Uh, and this was not only difficult to be away from Karen uh, and the kids, um, but it also, the role as, my, as a husband and as a father and the authority in my home, that was difficult as well. Yeah, awesome, Miss Karen, you wanna? And I was so busy taking care of the kids. The youngest one was three years old. And um, I started becoming independent. And um, I had to take care of the home and the kids. And then I had to learn to give up the reign of all of that, what I've learned to do every weekend. And that was very difficult. You know, and as I think about this, right, it's not only the physical separation. It begins to create an emotional separation in the marriage. And that can create issues, not only additional responsibility for Karen, additional responsibility for me at work, but it had a subtle change in the God-given roles uh, that I had as a husband uh, and a, as a father. So yes, what did we do about that? Well, I think as I speak for both of us, we recognized the need to draw closer to God. Uh, as I was in another city, I spent more time in God's word, in prayer, those lonely uh, nights alone in a hotel room in another city, uh, and that, that was difficult. And then some of the things I did, I began journaling in a book and uh, writing my prayers out mm -hmm. to God, and I, I, I was lonely, so I remember one night crying out to God and, and um, asking for help, and I remember, not in an audible, audible voice, but I remember God saying to me, I will be your husband, and from that moment on, that loneliness went away. Yeah. And uh, some of the things that we did was we had dinner, virtual dinner over the phone. He would go to a restaurant alone and he would call us and we would have dinner together over mm. the phone and that helped a lot. And then I would put little love notes in his suitcase hidden right. under his clothes, things like that. Sweet, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. All right, Larry and Becky Lofton, you guys have been married 45 years. All right, so tell us um, just the secret to a sticky marriage, this relationship, longevity here. <laughs> I wish I'd known all the things they have said because we weren't that smart. <laughs> we were uh, very young, 17 and 20, and um, it did not take long to figure out that we weren't going to make it without some help, and that is when we turned to God, and we... Uh, immediately got involved in a church. We were both saved, but very immature spiritually. And as we began to grow together uh, spiritually and in our married life, uh, we just became best friends. Uh, we turned to God in everything that came up. And, uh, you know, God is the only one that can change us. And there had to be a lot of changing going on. In marriage, there has to be a lot of changing going on with you. And you can't change yourself. You couldn't change Larry. I, I'm still trying. It's 45 years. <laughs> I have to change himself. I haven't totally given up. But God transforms you. Amen. And Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, would soften my will and uh, gave him a great sense of humor. Uh, humor is so helpful yes. in marriage. And as God began to change me, um, I think our marriage just grew uh, closer and closer together. Praise awesome. Jesus. Larry, you wanna <laughs> add anything to that? 
Well, I just thought after 45 years of my, <clears throat> my beauty and charm, you were hooked on, but I guess I wasted all that. But anyway, uh, 65, it comes fast, but uh, the Lord has taken us through a lot in our family and our life together, and uh, I felt like at least getting 65 problems would go away, but there's more issues and things in life at this time. They're just different. But with the help of the Holy Spirit within each of us, He keeps us pointed in the right direction. Yes, amen. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Good job. Good stuff. All right, the McDonald clan. You guys have a quiver full, and I'm David and Kate. Um, our question for you is, how do you keep Christ the center of your marriage when conflict arises? <clears throat> well, first of all, it's not if it's when conflict's going to come into a marriage, because it will come in. So what we do is we have to talk about it. But, you know, sometimes, I don't know about your, in your marriages and your households, but sometimes it can get heated. Uh, so what I have to remember is I go back to Scripture. I remember John 10.10, 10, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And in Ephesians 6.12, it reminds us that the enemy, or our battle is not with flesh and blood. Yeah. It is with the evil spirits of the world. <clears throat> so I remember who the battle is with. So when they get heated, we just simply stop and pray. And I remember we need to get back to here because this is my wife. I love her, and this Amen. is not where the battle's at. Amen. Yeah, I think practically speaking, when you're in that heated exchange, when we stop and we recognize what's going on, we pray. And for me, I need to remember to keep my words very few. And if I decide in that moment to pray, I ask the Holy Spirit to just preside over that moment. And if I submit to that, and if I decide to listen to the hurt behind what he is saying, if I join God in that, then usually God will change the argument or change the direction of what's happening, and then we can speak in words of prayer versus in what's going on in conflict. And that usually helps. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. All right, so Patrick and Lindsay Donovan, and you guys are, or Lindsay is our newest staff member working with our student ministry girls. And I'm Patrick, Lindsay, the question for you guys, you guys have been married just like just over a year. And so what was the biggest adjustment to this marriage thing? Well, I think absolutely everything in our life has been an adjustment. Um, I'm sharing a room with somebody, a bed, a closet, ladies, a closet. Um, so everything has been an adjustment. So I think spiritually speaking, an adjustment is we both have our own personal relationships with Christ and our time in the Word and our time in prayer, but um, the importance of having that with Him together. And so my t prayer time with the Lord at night is my intimate time with Him and me saying like just deep feelings. And so to share that with my husband was a hard, hard thing. And I'm still not, I'm still learning. I'm still imperfect about that, but that's been, I mean, it's helped us a lot, but yeah that. Yeah, um, I think the biggest adjustment is just not being selfish. Uh, you know, we lived apart for 23 years and then all of a sudden, hey, one day you get married and then, oh, I have to live with this person for the rest of my life. It's, it's a huge change and learning how to submit to each other and just learning how not to be selfish and carry that into the word uh, has been a big adjustment. Nice, nice. Awesome. So you get to live with Lindsay. You might want to remove that I have to <laughs> word there. That one got me in trouble. The other one that got me in trouble was never relate or equate your wife to the devil. That was a horrible mistake. It's like, I know this isn't you, baby. This is the devil. And she's like, whoo. All right. So let's give them a hand. Thank you so much, guys. Y'all can have a seat.
want to invite our praise team to come on forward. We are going to enter a time of invitation, and I've really wrestled, ladies and gentlemen, with how to close this out this morning. And I'm just going to tell you the way the Lord has led me, and I, and I trust that you will receive that. I really want to challenge husbands to step up and be the prayer leader in their home. That's, that's my prayer. I would love to see this altar filled with husbands on their knees, with their wife, praying with their wife. I'd love to see you start maybe today to commit to this amazing experience to to start praying with your wife every day and don't, not neglect that time. There are times I leave the house and she's still in bed asleep. Lean over and pray with her. Just, if, just a quick moment. You might turn your head, have to turn your head a little bit just to make sure morning breath doesn't get in the way or whatever. Just pray. Just pray. And let God unleash the blessings on your marriage. You might take your spouse by the hand this morning right where you're seated and do that as well. But please, take that challenge. It was one of the greatest decisions that I ever made next to giving my life to Jesus was to take the challenge to pray with my wife. Others here this morning need to move to salvation. I'm convinced in a group this size, there's someone here that you don't have a personal relationship with God, and you need to take that plunge. Friday, I jumped out of an airplane at 10,000 feet. It was crazy. I knew that parachute would hold me, but I had never trusted a parachute until I left that plane. It was scary, but I did not trust it. I knew it would hold me until I left the plane. Then I was trusting it. God wants you and I to trust Him. Are you going to place your faith in Jesus this morning? Pastors, counselors are going to be at the front. And I want to pray for you, and I want us to stand across the room at this time. Husbands, you need to move and hit the altar. Take your wife by the hand where you're seated at, and begin a, begin a commitment of prayer with, with, with your bride that will change your life forever, I promise. And then if you're here this morning and you need to trust in Jesus and give your life to Him, He is worth it all. He is worth it. Don't let him pass you by. If he's knocking on your heart's door, Father, I pray right now that you'd rise up your spirit inside of men to become the leader, to become that role model, to become that leader that you have called us to be, to love our wives unconditionally, sacrificially to give our lives. You modeled that on the cross at Calvary when you took that crown of thorns from me those nails for me, for us, so that we could have redemption, so that we could be saved. And I pray this morning for someone in this room that needs to give their life to you. You said if we believe, if we call on you, we will be saved. And I pray this morning that would happen in this room. I pray for others that are even moving now, that you would do a work in our hearts as husbands, as wives, as relationships, as marriage. We dedicate our lives to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. You come.